Jesse Goodrum along with Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Oh, man. Oh, man. So much to talk about today. Two things we'll talk about. A star is born and a star is scorned is what's coming to mind for me right now. But yes, we have a rebrand, a new name, Hoopsology. We're really excited about it. Thank you for tuning in. Justin, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. I'm really excited about our new name. So Hoopsology is going to be um, how we're branding our podcast. So check that out on all your podcast feeds. Should update automatically. You won't have to do anything. The new logo, um, new name, everything. Our past episodes will all be available for archives. So please go check that out. Um, in the meantime, our email address still remains at triple double podcast at gmail.com. But that will change um, looking next week. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned to our um, social media handles. That I'll reflect our new name as well. So um, before we get into our main topics, we also have a guest coming up later on. Um, she is a digital content assistant and co-host of In The Clutch podcast, Nia Simone. So we'll be talking um, a lot of these topics with her, get her reactions to what we just saw a couple of minutes ago. Um, so she's very knowledgeable on the WNBA and the NBA. So um, we're looking forward to uh, just picking our brain about these topics. But man, let's talk about what just <laughs> we saw here. Um, with the Dallas Mavericks and with the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, a lot of storylines go into this series, right? Um, Dallas having two rising stars, uh, Christoph Porzingis, who did not play in Game 3, and then Luka Doncic, who's been fighting the ankle injuries. So basically, this has been a series of those two rising stars against the establishment, which has been Kawhi Leonard. We don't know what's been going on with him, with Toronto last year, and then Paul George, him landing with the Los Angeles Clippers and him ascending. But we've seen it basically, like you said, Matt, Luka taking over, being the predominant player and possibly the new bubble MVP of what we saw like a, the last couple of seconds. So um, just to break the scene down for you, uh, game three, um, the Clippers had a dominant 21-point lead. Third quarter, saw the Clippers return. Then um, finally saw the Clippers um, wake up in the fourth quarter um, for Dallas. Then the even it, sent in the overtime. And then Luka hits a game-winning shot, an unbelievable performance, despite him battling the ankle injuries. Um, it lasts a buzzer beater that gives Dallas the 2-1 to series lead, and that's without Kristaps playing. Kristaps Porzingis was sitting on the bench. So overall, man, what are... Your thoughts on this series overall? Um, is this kind of going to be possibly the <laughs> deconstruction of Paul George, or do you think this will be kind of the rise of Luka, or do you think Kawhi's going to take any blame? How do you see this kind of playing out the rest of the way? Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you still have to put the experience and kind of the, the favor in the Clippers' side, but you have to think they're probably kind of shook after today after what we just witnessed, which, I, like I said, to start the show, a star is born. That's that's what I'm referring to, Luca, with this ridiculous, uh, nothing but confidence, step-back shot in overtime to win the game for the Mavs. If you didn't see the highlight, go ahead and look at it. And now, just quick correction off, off of what you said. This was game four, so they're tied. Oh, my bad. That's they're right. They're tied two to two. Gotcha. My so bad. really, this could go either way. And like you said, they didn't even have... Porzingis today because of knee soreness so if he comes back the Mavericks are even more of a threat so Luca did this even without his his co-star his his teammate there the other the kind of 1b to his 1a so this is going to be really interesting moving forward and you know it's it's just disappointment for 
the Clippers, and and I would echo what Charles Barkley said <laughs> earlier this week about kind of you can't call yourself playoff P if you have these frankly terrible games in in the postseason. If you don't show up for the postseason, you can't call yourself playoff P. And that's what we're seeing right now because Kawhi seems to be carrying his load and taking care of his business, but he hasn't been getting a ton of help from everyone else. I mean, granted, this game was very, very back and forth, very entertaining, very well played on both sides. But, man, you you just give Luka any opportunity, and this game, it it just felt like he was going to seize it. Euro steps everywhere, and then, of course, that crazy... Um, step back way out there three-pointer shot that he just drained uh, right in front of uh, Reggie Jackson so just incredible performance I mean maybe now the game of the year I had said Utah versus Denver but I think this is the playoff game of the year so far yeah I agree I echo your sentiments I mean Paul George was atrocious today he played 45 minutes had nine points is there any, any excuse for that unless you're LeBron? <laughs> you know, usually if LeBron has a game like that, he gets like a some you know, he has like an insane amount of assists and rebounds. And people say he played like crap. So yeah. I mean for yeah. Paul George, he he played horrendous in this game. Um I'm willing to give more Kawhi the benefit of the doubt because he's proven it over and over again, so I'm not gonna kill him over one game. Um I mean we're talking about a guy who some I think two years ago voted for as an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even even just last year, I think that was when he was on the Thunder. So this is a big step down for him. I mean, we know that Thunder team was eliminated in the first round by Damian Lillard, but yeah, it's it's not looking great. There is there's trouble in paradise right now, and definitely doesn't look like a team. I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, but doesn't look like a team that is really going to role to title at this point. I mean, unless things turn around pretty quickly in this series. Well, I think it was easy to buy into them as a playoff contender um, than the Lakers were. Look at their team, right, compared to L.A. A lot of unproven talent, or as proven talent that people gave up on. If you look at Dwight Howard or um, you take Joe Kim Noah with the Lakers, compared to the Clippers having that pace of – that base, excuse me, of Lou Williams, um, even Montrezl Harrell, um, Reggie Jackson, um, and Patrick Beverly, who didn't play in this game. Those are pieces that you can see in a championship team. So adding Kawhi, adding Paul George makes sense, and that's a logical conclusion to make that they would be a playoff, not only a playoff contender, but a championship contender as well. My problem is, is when looking at this team on the court, I just they don't pass the eye test. I know that's a weird thing to say, especially if you've heard Skip Bayless use that term, and sometimes he sounds ridiculous. But in this case, it's true. Like, I just don't buy them as a title contender. I think it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, they have two predominant all-stars, and especially if the Clippers are fortunate enough to somehow make it to the NBA Finals. I mean, most likely their opponents, I mean, you look at either Toronto or uh, Milwaukee, and certainly with Toronto, I mean, you – there's only really one predominant all-star. And in Milwaukee, even though it's Chris Middleton, I mean, everybody thinks of Giannis as their predominant number one option. So it's going to be fairly interesting to see if they happen to make it that far, you know, how they're going to measure up in these kind of these close games that they were faltering against a Dallas Mavericks team that was, you know, 
really hurting and really seem on the ropes, especially with Luca with that ankle injury. I mean, that was scary what we saw, you know, a couple of days ago. And even visibly hobbled today. Yeah. 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 And another thing I'll, I'll just add to what you said is that, you know, Kawhi Leonard is the only guy on this Clippers team who has been there all the way. He and Doc Rivers, obviously, as as their head coach uh, back from his time on, on the Celtics, of course. But this, this franchise hasn't been there and no one else on the roster has been there. And that's kind of what it looks like during the gameplay, like especially at the end of the game today. I mean, Kawhi looks cool, confident, ready for the moment. But then, I mean, even at, at the end of the game, you have Reggie Jackson guarding Luka Doncic on two of those final uh, key possessions where he was able to score on him both times. And it just seems seems kind of questionable coaching in one sense. I mean, how, how are you not putting Kawhi Leonard right on him? Um, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of confusing to watch because other than Luka today, there, there really aren't many pieces on that Dallas team that you would think of as a threat. I mean, certainly there are guys that can get hot and knock shots down, but not really guys that you would think when a play breaks down, when you're at the end of the shot clock, guys that are going to be able to create a good shot after, um, you know, against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you know, these, I mean, elite level wing defenders in in the past, at least. I mean, certainly um, not today at times. Yeah, I agree. Um, we could spend all time talking about this series, but overall, Luca um, with another dominant performance. Where do you think he took a took a step today in his ascension? Was this kind of a um, rite of passage game for him, in which we're going to look back, you know, five years from now and say that this is where he arrived? That's not just a perennial All Star, but a superstar player that can carry his team to you know a championship. Or do you think we're overreacting with his performance? I think this is a moment for sure. Uh, everyone kind of thinks of Luca more as a, a play creator, not necessarily always like a, a big shot kind of guy. And today was a huge shot. I mean, that was the type of irrational confidence that you would see from a Jordan, a Kobe. And no, I'm not saying he's on their level yet, but uh, but you see some similarities in that the ball was in his hand at the end of the game. He was either going to get to the basket and Euro step his way to the hoop and score, or he was going to take that big step back three-pointer like he did at the very end of the game there. So I do think we're seeing signs. And if he has more success, you know, if I, I didn't even have the Mavs winning this series. He already broke my prediction because I had Clippers in five for this series. And now it's tied 2-2. So I don't think the Mavs are going very far this year, but if they do, I will happily eat my words because it's so much fun to watch. Is there any other thoughts on this series before we move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, do you do you feel the same way that how big of a moment was this? Big time moment. I'm always on the Luka bandwagon. As I'll get to you later on, we talk about the NBA draft lottery. Lucas is somebody that you obviously see that this is going to be a superstar player. He's fairly, fairly consistent. And not only that, very similar to LeBron, which I think is the barometer nowadays for elite-level players. Not only him, like a James Harden, who's underrated, um, even Giannis, like players that play necessarily not the greatest night shooting, they can affect the game in other ways, and Luca does that. 
so that's who I consider an all-star superstar player. Um, even when we're discussing Westbrook or James Harden or Steph Curry, um, these are not players who just you know are going to score a bunch and do nothing else. They are very versatile, and I think Luca's that. And I think seeing him ascend and having that irrational confidence, like you were talking about, considering that he airballed some terrible shots earlier in yeah. the game, and that didn't really affect him. So it, it was a rite of passage game, and. If I'm, you know, Doc Rivers, I'm very concerned right now. But we'll see. I mean, this is what you pay your guys for. Um, you pay them all that money. This is the reason why. So we're going to see what happens there. Yeah, and certainly it, it wouldn't shock me if the Clippers win the next two games, if they really kind of step on the gas in the last two games. But if Luka's able to ascend and, and get past the first round as a seven seed, knocking off a title favorite in, in most people's eyes, I think, uh, at least most people I've heard from, uh, you know, this this would be a huge feather in his cap in, in his career, even if he doesn't make it past the second round. For sure. Um, let's move on and talk about the other um, playoff series in the East. And this Oof. one is finished. Um, <laughs> as not many would be surprised about this, the Boston Celtics um, finish off the Philadelphia 76ers 110-106. Series sweep. We all know about Ben Simmons being out. Um, I want to ask you a series of questions about Ben Simmons. But at first, um, despite Joel Embiid's, you know, 30 points, do you think himself will take the heat? Because we've heard a lot of speculation, which what do you do with this team, right? Do you keep Joel Embiid? Do you keep Ben Simmons over him? Or do you keep them both playing together? So with this series, considering he did play well the last two games, can't really blame him for necessarily a, you know, the Sixers getting swept the effort i think was there where do you think this team goes separate from the coach being i think we both agree should be fired but just from a player standpoint what what happens with Embiid? yeah doris burke had some comments on this at the very end of of the game i mean there's a, a two minute long stretch where she was just um talking about the philadelphia 76ers not only from the roster but from, from the top down, really focused on that. And I think she had a pretty smart take on that at, at the end of the broadcast. But uh, I tend to agree with her that they're really going to have to look from the top down. This this may, I mean, Eldon Brand is a fairly new GM. It may be time to look at different options for him, just with how this roster is loaded financially. I don't know if that's going to happen. And um, I honestly don't have a strong opinion as to how much of their failure here in in this playoffs is really his fault like you said the injury to ben simmons is huge but you definitely have to make a big change in my opinion you have to shake something up so uh i think brett brown is is out of there because coaches tend to take the fall when things happen like this um and also the fact that they weren't able to win one game when Joel Embiid is such a matchup issue for, I mean, just about any team, but really for the Celtics, he's given them problems in the past. The fact that you couldn't get one win in this series, I mean, understanding that, yeah, you didn't have Ben Simmons still, I, th I think something major has to change. If you're looking at a rebuild scenario, I know that this might not be a popular take, uh, but I'll stick by it anyway. I think you keep Ben Simmons, and I think you look to shop Joel Embiid. There were times even in this series where, yes, he had the numbers in production, like you were saying, but he was looking just kind of sloppy on uh, passes inside to him. He wasn't really like jumping after certain passes that were getting back to batted away and, and turned over. So 
I don't know how much his his head is really in the game, and I definitely don't want to hear him talking any more trash until he he does something. Uh, I think you and I both talked about last week how we think Joel is an incredible talent, and that my opinion hasn't changed on that. But I think if if you're going into rebuild mode, I would rather have Ben Simmons with potentially some some lesser talent just because of how he's able to create. You might have some kind of drive and kick type offense if you can get some free agents that can shoot, or even if you're locked into Tobias Harris and you're going to get, you know, Al Horford and Joel Embiid off the books. Maybe you can find some other pieces to put that that perimeter around him. And by getting Joel out of there, you also open up the lane for him. I think that's kind of the direction this league is taking, and Joel has kind of shown. He doesn't always like to play in the low post, and I don't know how well that's that's going to work out. So that's my opinion, what you would do. But this is, you know, there, there are lots of ways you can go with this. Uh, I'd, I'd ask for your same thoughts. I mean, what do you think the primary issues are here, and, and what do you think needs to change? So I'm happy you said that. I disagree with you, but I'm happy you said that because it's been on my mind listening to Ben Simmons' podcast about them discussing – Simmons as a franchise player. I agree with you what you said about Embiid, but with Simmons, ever since this dude's been at LSU, all I've been hearing is he's the next LeBron James, and he can't shoot. That's so, true. That's I don't, true. For me, especially when it comes to this draft lottery, two things I don't want to hear is you can't shoot and you lack effort. Then I don't want to talk to you. Move on to the next guy. And with Ben Simmons, unless this dude is like super phenomenal passer – or affects the game in some game-changing way, which I have not seen personally. I think it's an easy choice to shot this dude. I'm kind of over Ben Simmons personally. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what am I not seeing with this guy? Because everybody else seems to be hyped. Even uh, Bill Simmons was like really praising him for his defense, praising him that this guy's really taking the game more seriously. And even you know Ryan Rosillo was saying, you know, LSU, he still grabbed like 11 boards despite LSU being just cesspool so overall what am i not what am i not seeing about this dude that everybody else seems to be still in love with this guy because i'm not seeing it just based on the nba that i'm seeing now most most of these guards um or forwards or even you know centers for that matter they can shoot they can do other things they can pass they have three skills that they can do and shooting's one of them so this guy can't shoot so as a franchise player, why would you keep him around? I'm, ge- I'm genuinely curious because no, I'm, yeah. I'm just completely confused. I, I don't know why there's just still this hype around keeping this guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, what I would say is that we haven't seen Ben Simmons have his own team. That That's what I would say. So, so it is a huge gamble. But Joel Embiid was their first. It's It's been kind of his team. Uh, even though Ben Simmons has has gotten to control the ball a lot of the time, so yeah, I mean, I mean, you're taking a risk either way you go because these guys are two phenomenal talents, phenomenal athletes. I think we can just kind of definitively say that they've not had success together, and and I think we've seen enough of the experiment rolled out, even with the Ben Simmons injury this year. Uh, Doris Burke was saying in that same broadcast in that point she made over the last three years their efficiency together has been going down more and more each of the last three years consecutively so I think it's just time to end that experiment I certainly you know I'm not married to the take that I that I just said I I would totally understand it if the Sixers 
wanted to keep Embiid. To me, I see a greater work ethic with Ben Simmons. With Embiid, I think I've seen a lot of talk and not a lot of production. That's true. Um, to back it up, or or at least in key moments, that that like extra gear, that extra effort, that staying in shape, staying in peak physical condition. Now he's had injury issues too, so so I don't want to fault him for that because uh, that that's frustrating to be on and off the court. And Ben Simmons, you could also counter with he's had injury issues as well. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do uh, because I think everyone has different perspectives. I mean, some people, I think maybe even a majority contingent of what I see is still you keep these elite level talents together and you shop the other guys. I mean, like Tobias Harris is the highest paid guy on this roster at $34 million, And next year isn't his last year in that contract, yeah. um, if, if I'm remembering correctly. So... So there are some huge issues. I mean, they may have to eat a lot of expiring contracts if, if teams are even willing to make that trade for Tobias Harris, but they've got to do something big, and I think ultimately that ends up taking one of these superstars out of there. So so I don't know. I mean, the Ben Simmons, I guess the case would be worth that, work ethic and versatility, but you make a very fair point in that it's true. I mean, shooting is still the weakest point of his game by far. And this is a league where that perimeter shooting is huge. So are you going to run him at maybe power forward and then just have him run the offense as a point guard? How is that going to work out? You're going to need, in my opinion, four shooters around him if, if you're going to run him as the franchise guy. And, you know, we have that yet to see if that's going to work or not. I just haven't seen him be the franchise guy that he can't shoot. I, you know, and we've seen somebody, we just talked about Luca, who everybody says like is horrendous shooting three points, but yet three pointers, but is determined to. You saw what happened. Just that determination compared to everybody celebrating when Ben Simmons hit a three in a game. Like, this is ridiculous. So, to me, as like a superstar, I've seen it where, you know, look at James Harden and Russell Westbrook, like guys with massive egos guys that take a bunch of shots. I haven't heard any issues between them. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Uh, Steph Curry was, <laughs> look at his shot output. Kevin Durant gets there, no problems. And that was with Clay Thompson too. So I just, and look, even hell, Kobe and Shaq, right? Like, they both got their shots in. So I, for me, I don't understand how Ben Simmons with him by himself as the, the front runner can be a franchise player without him being a you know leader in scoring, um, and that includes shooting from the field and getting to the basket. Uh, to me, there's just too many red flags, and that's what I would keep in beat. Your about your concerns are valid. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I've been disappointed with him being mm-hmm. big time. I think he could be the the best big man in the league, in my opinion. I like him better than Giannis, to be honest with you. From a I think talent perspective, but the mm. bottom line is that he is lazy. Um, I think he worries about what other people says about him compared to Giannis, who's a complete professional and is mentally tougher and mm-hmm. takes his body a lot serious. So you're gonna, you will see Giannis, you know, in this league for a long time compared to Joel Embiid. Like it might be an insane prediction, but I think five years he's probably not gonna be in the league anymore. I just wow. think, yeah, looking at him, I say best case scenario he's like a role player. Mm. Worst case, he's gone. I just think injuries and everything. I just don't think he has the mental toughness to be in this league as a star player anymore. Um, 
at the same time, I'd be like kind of hypocritical. Why would you keep him? I just think he has more of that um, potential. And I think with the right coach, with the right moves, maybe you can do something with him in the future to turn it around. But now it's, it's the process has gone terribly wrong at this point. So I think it's best to move on. I think for me, see what Ben Simmons is like on the trade market at what um, Bill Simmons has said, along with Rosillo, is that his stock has gone up. Mm. Maybe trade him while his stock's up. I don't know. Um, I don't know what he's. I don't know what his contract's like or anything like that. But if it's possible, um, I would say that trade value is more higher on him than it is on Joel Embiid. Mm. And the last thing I'll say, just to kind of paint a picture of, of kind of what I'm thinking of when I think of Ben Simmons leading the team. And again, it's it's a little bit. Uh, disrespectful to the person I'm going to paint the picture because he actually did it and Ben Simmons has yet to. But if you think of a Jason Kidd on the Nets in those early 2000s, that was a guy who could do just about everything but shoot. But he could get to the basket and be a threat that way, like around the basket. The three-point shooting didn't come until later when he was on the Knicks and, and then would the Mavericks. Would that work now? Not to cut you off, but Jason Kidd yeah, is that's, playing in 2020. Would that be effective now? And he that's be the real question. Every night, hey, he can't shoot. Like, what is this guy doing compared to before? Which that was like, we've seen a lot of point guards that, you know, that was their forte, getting their teams involved. We've seen the point guard position evolve. I mean, yeah. good lord, we've seen the big guys being able to run the floor. I mean, look at LeBron. I mean, so it, I think it's evolved. So I'm just asking. I'm not, I'm not yeah. totally denying it it being possible, but I just don't. Especially for Ben Simmons, I haven't seen him kind of affect the game compared to Jason Kidd like that. In my opinion. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's all a matter of what pieces do you get around sure. him. Can you get – because if, if you have him running point guard, I mean, that's a tall point guard, and if you get more length around him, uh, like kind of like how the Thunder were very lengthy, sure. defensively right. athletic teams that – you know, you would need a little bit more shooting, of course, than they had. Like you couldn't have an Andre Roberson out on, out on the floor. Um, but th- that's kind of kind of the vision that I would have. You do have more sh- shooting bigs now than you did, of course, in the early two thousands. But your point is well taken. That yeah, we just don't know that a guy like that. I mean, I would think a guy with the vision that Jason Kidd has, he's going to find a way to be successful. And and he was, of course talented and skilled enough to evolve and develop that three-point shot we don't know that Ben Simmons is going to be that and and there's no proof to this point we didn't get a, a, a test sample no. with the playoffs this year so so I think your concerns are totally valid on that point too so even though we might disagree on who we would keep and who we would would lean toward I mean I totally I think that's a valid point as well mm. uh, I would just tend to run with the person that I think long-term, even though he's had injury concerns, long-term I think could be healthier and has a better work ethic. That's, that's really the, the main thing that I see. But, but I do agree with you that I think, like when Embiid is healthy and going, I mean, his, his list of talents and things he can do, and especially on the defensive end too, being that, an anchor for that team is impressive. So yeah. I, I think we're probably talking circles on no, this now. You're right. Move just, on, but, for sure. Uh, but totally, yeah, legit points either way. And that is kind of a luxury for this team in that at least they have two potential megastars. Embiid I mean, has shown greater signs of greatness to this point. Um, and 
you know, I would just want to see if Ben Simmons was handed the keys. Like, I think, I think Bill Simmons was saying, trade him to the Wizards and see what he can do on on that team. You know, give him the keys to franchise and and let him see if he can run a system and 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 let it go. Um, With John you know, Wall it's a there. risk. Yeah, probably. My guess would be you're getting rid of John Wall. Okay, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to blend together. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I think I your sentiments. We can talk about Philly a bunch too, but I'll save it till we get to the off season because I'm sure it'll be more news about that. Quickly about Boston, um, Jalen Brown, um, Jason um, Tatum. You know, and Kimba Walker, for that matter, the three of them, there's questions about their chemistry. Seems like they're coming along. I like Boston. I think they're inconsistent. Just quickly, your thoughts on them, really, especially for their seeding and their expectations at the beginning of the season. I mean, they handled the business, gets the sweep. Um, Kind of your thoughts on how they did. Yeah, I still, I can't put them above Toronto or the Bucks at this point in time. I think they're a threat, especially to Toronto. I don't know that they can slow Giannis down. So, you know, I think they are appropriately placed is, is kind of the only takeaway that I have from this series. But you're absolutely right. They handled their business. And they're a very well-coached team. And Kemba Walker is, is a good fit on this team. You know, he's not Kyrie Irving, but he's a guy that's going to run your system really well. His teammates seem to really like him. There doesn't seem to be any chemistry issues, which, as we know, that was always more of an issue than the talent issue sure. with Kyrie. So they're a threat. I mean, they they could they could make it to the finals, no doubt. But I, I still see them appropriately seated in, in third place there. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Lakers and Trailblazers. I think before today, I think the headlines in the bubble was about Damian Lillard. And Luca, I think, stole his thunder. I think certainly um, just where the Mavericks were, they were already in the playoffs. So their positioning and how they're portrayed in the media is a lot different than the Trailblazers, in which even before this, you know, the bubble started, Lillard wanted to be in it. He was very um, enthusiastic and determined to make sure that the Trailblazers made some noise um, if they were fortunate enough to make the playoffs. So overall... Um, in this series, the Lakers are up 2-1. We see LeBron, um, Anthony Davis show dominant performances. LeBron, 38. Anthony Davis, 29. Um, you know, Lillard, looking at the spot score here, you know, Lillard had 34. His numbers weren't that great. Um, 8 for 20, but 5 from 11 for 3-point range. is still pretty good. Um, so overall, do you think this is a, a sense of just the Portland Trailblazers running out of gas and um, the Lakers finally getting into gear. Or do you, we might see some regression coming up tomorrow, um, and the Trailblazers still being a factor. I mean, they they weren't necessarily destroyed like they were the game before. Um, now is Lillard going out with the dislocated fingers? So, do you see the Trailblazers being competitive and maybe taking another game now that he has more of a sample size of domestic competing against the Lakers? Or do you think it's it's over just because we've seen, you know? Finally, LeBron and Anthony Davis put on both pretty solid performances. I did have Lakers in six, so I'll stay with my pick for now. I think just having Damian Lillard can get the Trailblazers one more game. Also, we've seen in the past like LeBron not always having the 
step on your throat, take you out right away kind of mentality that's in the true. playoffs. I think in the second and third rounds, that's happened quite a bit usually, but in the first round, there there have been times where they've been these these little hiccups here and there. So Damian Lillard's determined. He was the story of, of the bubble season, the bubble season MVP, as, as you alluded to. So he, he's a threat. They're still a threat. And I still think this was a better defensive effort from the Lakers this last game. But I, I still think they could let some things slip. Interestingly enough, I, I think it was 26 of Davis's 29 points were in the second half. So it, it does seem like they, they're kind of experimenting and they maybe feel a little bit like they can just turn the switch on when they need to. Davis was basically, he was interviewed as having said, um, you know, I, I needed to take the pressure off of LeBron. So I kind of told him I got this. And, and he was able to do that. And it's like we said last week. I mean, the, the Blazers don't really have an answer on defense that can slow down LeBron or Davis, for that matter. I, I'm interested to see more of what Rondo can do and see if, if the team gels a little bit more. So it wouldn't shock me either way. It wouldn't shock me if, if your prediction of Lakers in five ends up being right uh, or if if Damian gets one more game, like like I kind of predicted the Lakers in six. Um, I wanted to ask your thoughts on, I mean, Twitter was blowing up about Carmelo Anthony. It, I know I'm calling out Carmelo Anthony again this week, but they're, they're saying like, this is a duel for the ages. Melo versus LeBron again. They gave us one more. Oh, thank goodness. Getting really like nostalgic about this, like this happened a whole lot in the past. That's a joke, I um, think. <laughs> so, I mean, Melo, to his credit, he had four steals. He had 20 points. I mean, yeah, congrats on playing one good game finally in this series. I'm sorry. But the first two games, he was four for 17 from the floor. I I just don't understand all this, this Melo love all of a sudden for a guy... <laughs> Who, I will, I will, who really is underachieved. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad he can fit in and contribute to this team. Sure, <laughs> but sure. I just don't understand all this like mellow. One of my top two trending things on Twitter every no. time the Blazers play. I will give him some love <laughs> for a few things. One, I'll finally, he has grown into a position to which he accepts that he is not the guy. Yeah, that's been his issue. And for him to embrace Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and the rest of the team has been fantastic. And for his teammates to have his back has been fantastic. So that's props number one. Now props number two, um, he's hit some clutch shots. Like when they needed him, even though he shot horrendous, like you said, you're right. But when they need him, he's been there for some huge shots, and that includes the run to the playoffs. So he's been there. Um, like he's, But like you said, this whole duel against him and LeBron is a joke. <laughs> I mean, LeBron had like 38, 12, yeah, and 8. I, I, it's pretty laughable. I've always thought the comparisons with both of them is kind of like a disgrace. Like, you had one guy who single-handedly carried the Cavaliers year after year to, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals and to the Finals. And, you know, eventually was won multiple titles. And you saw him against the Golden State Warriors in which, you know, he was able to cause a lot of disruption by himself. There's no way Carmel Anthony would be able to do that, not in a billion years. So to compare them is, is it's it's pretty laughable. Even though I like Carmelo, I think I like the story. I do think he deserves to trend on Twitter. I like the playoff Melo. I do like it. I like it. I, I really, <laughs> it's okay. You can I like, like it. I like the props. 
but for me, comparing him to LeBron is that's where you lose me. <laughs> um, let's just keep it to a feel-good story. He's contributing. He hits some yeah. big shots. Let's keep it at that. But <laughs> when we're getting into like this playoff duel, I mean, come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I think it's kind of disrespectful for Damian Lillard, too. Look what he's done, right? Exactly. I mean, he's, exactly. he's the leader of this team. He's the one that's pretty much, without him, would, they would not even be in Orlando, um, let alone playing the Lakers. So keep it the Dame time with, you know, Melo being the kind of the nice background singer helping out. Yeah, maybe it's just like a millennial thing I that I'm not understanding I, on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I am barely a millennial, I guess. I don't understand I, TikTok I don't or Snapchat. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with either of those. Um, but, yeah, it, it just it cracks me up. Like you said, I mean, I think Dame and CJ McCollum deserve 80% of the credit at least for what this team has been able to do thus far. Um, but but I, I agree with those first couple points that you made there about, you know, it is good that Melo's a role player. He's contributing. He's he's kind of like more like Olympics Melo, like, sure. you know, yeah. Melo by committee. Yeah, nothing <laughs> uh, wrong with that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Did you have any other thoughts on this series you wanted to touch on? Uh, not really. I think I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, yeah. A lot of these series aren't really laying my world on fire, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but with the Nuggets and Jazz, I, I do want to talk about that just because um, in the previous game, just noticed um, that really the, the Utah Jazz just took it to the Denver Nuggets. This series really made me nervous despite picking Denver and it's come to fruition. Um, and I, I want to just ask you, do you think Utah has a real chance to really just run away with this thing? Or do you think we'll actually see more of an even? Um, back and forth kind of matchup between these two. Well, I mean, obviously, I hope for for an even back and forth. Sure. We were hoping for this to go six or seven series. It looks like it's at least going six. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I probably my bias against the Utah Jazz. I probably undervalued them with how they came out, and also Donovan Mitchell has just been terrific. Yes, I mean, like game okay. one third highest i believe playoff scoring total ever in nba history with 57 points so they they've been better offensively than i thought they were going to be especially with really mitchell being that main threat and then not much else outside of that i mean gobert was great the last game he has um and then they've also they've really been able to slow Denver down a lot more than I thought they were going to. And that's even acknowledging that they have, they are a solid defensive team. That's kind of their culture. Um, but I, I just didn't think they were going to be able to slow down that balanced attack from Denver and they've been able to do it. I mean, at least enough that Mitchell's been able to do his thing and, and carry them at the end of games yeah. there. Um, and even I think in game two it wasn't even that that close. Uh, so, you know these these game fours and fives goes without saying is is always critical, always crucial, and determines what's going to happen for the rest of the series. But I think I would say that Denver, with their limited playoff experience and success, I think they need the next game. I mean, I think if they go down three one, I'm I'm not picking them over the Jazz, even though I already did. Um, so, so I, I do think next one is actually a legitimate, not just saying it must win game for Denver. Agreed. Not too much to add there, except like I felt the previous game, where was the Joker? He go bear was just destroying Mm. him. It was, it was like lack of effort that concerns me. 
Um, so that makes me really nervous, even if they happen to get through Utah. It's just how Gobert has had his way in there. I mean, Mike Connolly having a great game, I feel like that's not going to be a common occurrence. Yeah. But Gobert is having his merry way into the pain like that. That's a huge problem. Um, so we'll see. Um, like you said, man, this this matchup between them is going to be a must-win for Denver. If they don't, um, I think Utah has a chance to running the table and finishing them off. So we'll see what happens. Um, and ready? oddly enough, yeah. I mean, with with what we've seen thus far being kind of halfway through the first round, sure. I do think Denver matches up better with the Clippers, oddly enough, than they do with this Utah team because you're not going to have the threat of Gobert. So if, if they make it past it, you know, then maybe there's a real shot they can upset the Clippers. Heck, if the Clippers even survive know, at this right? point. That's true. <laughs> with, uh, you know, King Luca coming alive here. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. It's you know we had it tabbed as as one of our kind of must watch series of of the first round, and it's it's definitely lived up to that, but not in the way you and I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other two series, I'm not three three series for that matter. Again, I don't have too much thoughts on them. We've seen the Bucks take control. They're up um, two games to one. Um, Shocking for Magic to win that first game, yeah. but I think it was largely just a fluke. It was yeah. agreed. Um, the Heat, uh, I thought this would be a lot more competitive. They're, they're up three games mm-hmm. to none on the Pacers. And then, finally, we see the Thunder in a, in a thriller um, over the Houston Rockets. Um, they kind of make sure that they won't get swept in the series is 2-1 to one Houston. So, overall, those series, for my t- cup of tea, not super exciting. But we'll see what happens. I mean, we've been like a week into this, so you never know. Um, before- yeah, I really thought OKC was going to show up a yeah. little bit more than they Me had. Me too. I struggled. I, I, part of me wanted you to did. pick OKC in seven. Yeah. Um, I think now we're going to see – I mean, the, the, the big thing to watch for in that series – I mean, Indiana's done, so we don't need to talk about no, Miami, Indiana. Miami's offense looks a lot better than I thought it was going to. That's all I'll say about that one. Um, with Houston, though, now we're going to see what this small ball team can do, and are they going to flame out? Is it going to be too too taxing from an energy standpoint for them to have the stamina to finish out the series? Ultimately, I think with that two-game to one lead. I mean, the, the advantage is still on their side, looking good for Houston in six or seven. I, I think OKC can probably squeak out another win just by having Chris Paul there. Um, but but it doesn't look competitively as close as uh, I thought it would. Because really, at the end of that game, Houston was very, very close to winning that in regulation. And OKC just got a bunch of things. I mean, namely like a Chris Paul hug on James Harden at the end of the game sure. to go their way with a no call there. So I, I think that series will be interesting, uh, especially if, if OKC takes the next game. Then then it might become you know one of the most interesting series of the first round. But um, but to this point, it it looks like Houston's just about able to do whatever they want on offense so um any other thoughts on that series no not really um overall i'm observant of how the bubble's been affecting players i think scoring is way up i think that's really cool i think not getting a rhythm in the bubble is kind of like a weird excuse i don't want to be insensitive but 
you've had all this rest, you have to worry about fans. You know, we see more players being able to exploit this to their advantage than others. So even hearing like LeBron James saying he's it's hard to adjust. I don't know. Maybe it's just a fan in me. I find that hard to believe. And being a veteran, yeah, I didn't like that. Um, I didn't say it last week, but I, I, I really like. I didn't that like comment. that either. And I like LeBron James. It's hard press. We both of us really criticize. I think we're both in the team LeBron camp for most of the time. But I, just, I didn't like that. It, just, it made me feel weird. You have all these advantages that you don't have when, like, you have dude, to, you're not flying anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm come saying. on, you're gonna five minute ride to your no room. fans. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I didn't like that either. Um, before we move on, any observations you've noticed through? Um, the playoffs so far compared to a normal year in which we'd have fans and the travel and other things. Have you noticed anything positively, negatively that you didn't notice before? I think one of the negatives would be that the benches seem to be about the same or, or just kind of normal randomness from game to game. Like coming back to what you and I have touched on several times about are we going to miss the fans in the playoffs? And even OKC Thunder being a, a good example, you know, there's there's a big home court advantage for the Thunder, uh, at least over certain other franchises like, say, the Miami Heat. Uh, sorry, Heat fans. Um, so you're seeing, you know, that that there's really no bench advantage, I guess, or, or at least it's not as pronounced, or at least doesn't feel that way. You know, I'd have to dig into the statistics a, a little bit more to see if that really rings true. But without a home court advantage, you're not seeing uh, like a deep bench advantage. And, you know, maybe that's something that's hurting the Clippers um, as well, because they are, you know, known as a team that can go eight or nine deep. And now they don't have like their home court advantage that they earned over the course of the season. So maybe that's something that, you know, we'll find in time after we analyze the stats a little bit more. Maybe that's something that is giving Dallas an edge in that series. But that, you know, that's one thing where I think I hadn't really thought that through about not having fans in the bubble where, you know, if, if you built your team on having a really deep bench, you're not seeing the, the full advantage of that necessarily, especially if you're a top four seed and have home court advantage on your opponent. Understood. Um, um, what else have you seen? Notice with, with the fans, it's so weird because I've watched other sports and I've had different opinions depending on the medium that I'm watching. So like MMA, for instance, I like the fans not being there. I like it that there's not any audio piped in. With the NBA, I, I do like the audio piped in, or believe it or not. I think I like the feel of it, especially with the digital fans. But then watching something like WWE, I don't know if you know, to know this or not, but they have it's kind of stolen the NBA uh, model. But it's, a, it's I heard that it's yeah. a basically like a literally a 360 degree um, dome mm. of fans. Mm. When you're watching the match, you see you know little squares of fans there, and it seems weird. And they have piped in noise, and it sounds inauthentic. Mm. So it kind of depends on what you're watching. Where baseball, you know, we talked about this, where you see cardboard cutouts. NFL is going to have the same thing. College football it seems like they're going to go in a similar direction. So I personally think so far, watching the presentation, I've gotten used to it. I just it sucks in the playoffs. There's nothing like the fans and momentum. I mean, look at Toronto. Mm. what happened last year with the 76ers or any playoffs you see over the years there's nothing beats that like imagine that big shot by Luca in front of the Mavericks fans right? mm. I think that it just would have been a different feel to it compared to now it's still exciting like we still got into it but it's just not the same without them 
Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Go, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I like I don't think the fans affect that shot happening no. and, and the outcome. Sure. But but you're absolutely right in in the reaction. Yeah, yeah for sure. Agreed. Um, let's move on to coach of the year. I have the results here. I think a little bit surprising. I don't know. Um, Nick Nurse will win Coach of the Year, ninety place, um, first place votes. But they have a, they have a point system, so mm. um, you get five points for first place, uh, three points for second place, and then one point for third place. So Nick Nurse got ninety first place votes, six second place votes, and then two third place votes and really no one else was close on the first place votes ranking mike budenholzer got five first place votes which mm. you know this is ahead of you know billy donovan and eric spostra and then pretty much no one else nate mcmillan got one vote um the others they vary in votes um are, you know between second and third place and basically you add those points and you get the total points is more than what what you wanted to hear but anyways um nick nurse getting the coach of the year what were your thoughts on him really running away with it I think it's fair. It's kind of a compliment to Kawhi Leonard in a lot of ways sure. because you're you're basically creating the narrative that without your star player, you were able to be a top two team in the East. And I definitely think he's he's one of the best, if if not the absolute best, coach in the NBA right now at this point in time. So I, I think it's fair. I think it's he earned it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that pick. I, I also really like Billy Donovan because a lot of people thought the Thunder were going to be a lottery team this year. And for them to be that fifth seed, I believe, uh, is, is a pretty big shock. Um, yeah, fifth seed. So I, I also think, you know, he would have been a guy that, that I would have liked mentioned or, or up there. I think Spolstra, I mean, you can't go wrong with Coach Spolstra, but the heats pretty much are where we thought they would be another one i was thinking of was mike malone from denver but they also have kind of repeated i mean i think they were the one seed last year right or one or two seed that sounds right to me, um yeah. so so again it's really not a, a huge change you had the most monumental change of those top extremely successful teams on the raptors with their star player leaving so so i think that's totally fair for him to win the award he's a great coach he deserves it he earned it um do you have any other names that that you thought belonged on there or do you like the pick at all i like the pick i don't have too many resistance to it i think it's incredible that you know we've seen from a lot of elite teams their star player leaves or even for that matter their star player stays and the next season there's a hangover they struggle but not the raptors i think it's impressive yeah um, so to me i have no problem with it and i give props to nick nurse hopefully he'll get a lot more credits because it's one of those things it's kind of similarly to Giannis, where Giannis got credit but then you know he wasn't talked about in those elite players so especially with nick nurse i mean he's an elite coach in this league now and certainly you know somebody like a brad stevens who a lot yeah. of people like Look at Nick Nurse. I mean, he's won a title already. I mean, compared to a lot more talent, I think Boston has with that squad. So I think Nick Nurse deserves to be in that more elite um, category of coaching in the in the NBA. And hopefully it's not just a thing where it's a surprise. He's in that discussion with the top coaches within the league. Do you think there's an argument you could make for Brad Stevens winning it this year? I mean, they, they don't have Kawhi – or, I'm sorry, Kyrie, uh, who – you know, I mean, everyone pretty much agreed at the end of the postseason last year that Kawhi, when he's on top of his game, he's now the greatest player in the league. I and mean, that's 
you know, that's arguable, certainly, but he did have that extremely impressive playoff run. Everyone would agree on that. Do you think there's any kind of narrative you could compare Brad Stevens and the Celtics with? I mean, the Raptors kind of stayed top of the East, and the Celtics did as well, in spite of losing a star player. Do you think it's just the effects are, are greater losing a Kawhi Leonard than a Kyrie Irving? I think so, and also, I mean, Kyrie Irving was seen as kind of a cancer on that team. Yeah. And they were great without him. So just looking at their records, if they were like neck and neck for that one spot, maybe. But if they're a clear, I think, third seed in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics. Um, so I think there was really no argument to give it to Brad Stevens, along with his track record. I think that plays into it, too. Is this is more of a put up or a shut up year. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics, you know, getting bounced. I think it's a weird way because it's a regular season award, but I think the postseason kind of factors into it in a weird way. So I don't know. I, I'm not upset or um, bummed out or um, disturbed that Brad Stevens didn't get more love. I think this is yeah. with Dick Nurse all the way. He's gotten love in the past, too. Yeah, he has. Plenty. plenty. Should we uh, move on to the draft lottery? Yeah, real quickly. Um, draft lottery, <laughs> this is very interesting trying to, to – talk to my girlfriend about this, explaining how the lottery works. <laughs> this is very complicated. Oh, yeah. Um, but breaking down the draft order, um, the Timberwolves got the number one pick, um, followed by the Golden State Warriors. Then we have the Charlotte Hornets, and then to a big surprise, the Bulls jumped up from their um, predicted to have the seventh pick. They moved up to number four. And then we have the Cavaliers, Hawks, Pistons, the New York Knicks at number eight, which people <laughs> were very outraged if you're a New York Knicks fan. The Wizards at <laughs> nine, and then the Suns at ten. Um, you can see the rest of those uh, picks um, on NBA.com. Overall, your impressions on the lottery, and I want to get your impressions on these players because I'll just give you my opinion real quickly as we get to the draft. I'll We'll go into more detail, but all I hear, as I talked about earlier, is guys that have minimal effort and can't shoot. That's all I'm hearing. So, yeah, I, I it's funny because I saw Anthony Edwards. He was doing an interview. I think it was on Bleacher Report, and they were explaining, okay, how would you like it going on this team or that team? He made a good impression. I liked his answers. He seemed like he's very enthusiastic. But after hearing like you know Bill Simmons break down, you know the strengths and weaknesses of these guys, along with you know Rajah Bell and other people, I realize it's one other people's opinions, right? But overall, it's a situation in which you know bad shot selection, lack of effort. That's a massive concern, rather than like, hey, you know, this guy has a lot of effort, but he can't shoot right now. He's going to put in time in the gym. That's a massive concern to pick this guy number one. And I'm hearing other concerns, too, about, like, a James Wiseman and a LaMelo Ball. I mean, if you listen to Ryan Russillo, I mean, don't, he basically, like, lost his mind <laughs> watched, talking about LaMelo in Australia. So yeah. he was garbage. So <laughs> I, in my eyes, I'm not really excited about this draft. Um, do you see any trades making it happen, like the Warriors moving down to get more picks in the future? How do you see it playing out this early? Yes, yeah, so my my initial thoughts were kind of that I, I find the Warriors and the Bulls the most interesting teams in this draft. I I don't really see the Timberwolves and the Hornets with it with it being a weaker draft. I mean, it's kind of just unfortunate for them. I don't I don't really think they get a piece that transforms their franchise this year. And that that may be be the case across the board. It may just be a weak draft class, like like you were just mentioning there. Um, you know, there there's always a couple surprise picks that overperform. That's true. Uh, so 
but we don't usually find that out until two or three years later, you know, yeah. when those guys get a chance at some minutes. So, so I'm interested to see if the Warriors decide to get a pick that fits in as like a rotation player as more of their thoughts, or if they try to, you know, maybe take LaMelo Ball and see if he's going to be like, take a gamble pick and see, is he going to be this dynamic playmaking talent uh, that can that can hit shots, <laughs> streaky shooter type of guy. Um, you know, my opinion would be that they get another perimeter defender, uh, but that's an interesting thing to do with a number two pick. So I could see them trading down. To your point, this would be the year to trade down from what the scouting reports are saying. Do you think there's anyone that that as a Bulls fan you'd be happy to see fall into your lap? I mean, Rosillo. I think we probably listened to the same podcast. He was joking about LaMelo getting drafted to the Bulls. Um, you know, I would want to be in the room with you if that happened. <laughs> I just... All right, since you brought up LaMelo Ball, I, I think his father aside, you know, you don't know my thoughts on his father, but removing him from the conversation, <laughs> I, the Bulls have a bad track record of picking players overall. A past Jordan era. Now there've been some bright spots. We can go into it. You know, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, Derek Rose, Joakim Noah, etc. Um, but same time, there's been some horrendous picks and them in a power position. And in my humble opinion, taking a Lamelo Ball, there needs to be some kind of like, I don't know, explanation as to why that happened, and to see some real growth in summer league to make that pick justifiable. Um, that's going to be a huge summer league if that uh, that does happen, um, or whatever it be winter league or however they do it. <laughs> right. Um, but for me, I think it's it's a pick that makes me nervous. I think at James Wiseman, just hearing a little bit more about him, a big man that can possibly be a difference, I'd be more happy about that if he's available. Um, but at this point, picking him it makes me very nervous. Um, having to look through all these guys makes me fairly nervous and all. The Bulls have a young team with some young core players, but again, with Chicago, their goal is going to be, I'd rather them take take a player that I never heard of before that might have some upside down the road that you can build as opposed to taking the sexy pick and some name we've heard of, and that's going to be a bust. I think that's going to be how you build teams. I mean, look at you know teams like the Denver Nuggets, teams that like – you see that it may not have the most sexiest named players, like even a Utah Jazz, but they were able to build through the draft. That's how you be successful in this league is built into the draft. I mean, if you have money like the Lakers, you can get players. But overall, even Golden State, right, the chances they took and it's paid off for them. So what I'm looking for is players that have a proven track record, that have a lot of work ethic. I know that sounds corny, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, that may not be, hey, these most spectacular players, but they're going to pay off, you know, two, three years down the road. And puts Chicago in a position where, hey, they drafted this guy that was a no-name, but he tr- proven to be a, you know, a valuable piece that would attract the free agent down the line as it is an investment. And that typically has been the culture of the Bulls yeah. in that city. Sure. So... So, yeah, I I think there's a good chance that could happen. The other thing that kind of struck me as I was looking at the the draft order and all that, just real quickly, you have number five, Cavs, number six, Hawks, number seven, Pistons, and number eight, Knicks. 
uh, like you mentioned earlier. So if you think of those teams and where they are right now, where their rosters are, and given that this is a really weak draft class, if only one of those picks lands, which is really a possibility, um, you know, we, we might see very close to the same draft order next year. Yeah. It may just be may just be a wash for those teams. Of, of course, I, I'm hope I, I hope I'm wrong. We always want more and more talent in this league. Um, but uh, you know, the only other team on that list is we're looking over that that I see that's interesting is the Suns at number ten, um, and Killian Hayes is a name that has come up um, quite quite a bit uh, as kind of like one of those dark horse type of picks so if the Suns could add another piece after having such a great bubble and everything you know that that I also find intriguing because they have good momentum coming into next season uh, and they would just become deeper I mean to the point where they're probably gonna have to think of of making some roster moves just to get more minutes for certain pieces that they have Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I always love the NBA draft. I've, I'll watch it anyway. It's it's always fun to see the picks and everything. But um, it you know it's a down year, and I'm most interested, honestly, to see what the Warriors do and and how they strategize that. Do they trade down? Do they get a piece? And is it a piece that's like one of the top draft board picks? Like so, like your greatest potential talent which is how teams usually draft or is it someone that really fits a specific need like three and d or whatever they see as the best fit yeah that's true they're going to be a definitely interesting storyline do you have any other thoughts matt before we wrap it up man i think that's good we're halfway through the first round keep your eyes on luca <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's for sure. been great <laughs> keep your eyes on on that denver series next next game is a must win for the nuggets and uh, it's, it's going to be another great week of NBA basketball. For sure. Um, stay tuned for our interview with Nia Simone. And then, of course, any feedback, leave us a review on iTunes and email us at podcast at gmail.com. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. Stay tuned for the interview, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Now we welcome our guest, Nia Simone. She is a digital content assistant um, at Overtime and also a co-host of the In The Clutch podcast. Welcome, Nia. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Nia, I um, wanted just to ask you some questions. Pick your brain as to um, how both the WNBA and the NBA has done in terms of the bubble. We've um, asked our guests um, this um, ever since this kind of crazy time has started. So I just want to get your impressions as to how you have thought of how both leagues have presented the bubble in terms of how they treated their players, the television and um, presentation, um, other stuff that you've seen over these last few weeks. Yeah. So at first, I'm not going to lie. I think we were all, I know I was very nervous. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work out. It just seems too risky. Like, how is this going to work? No fans. I couldn't imagine watching a game with no fans. Um, but honestly, this is, has been amazing. Um, it's turned out great. Of course, there's been no positive tests between the bubble and the wobble. Um, we got some good, good basketball going on. Um, you know, it, it's weird still for me, um, but it's also very exciting just to see that basketball is back and to see these players healthy. 
um, and, and ready to finish out the season. Um, it's been incredible, but I'm not going to lie. I was, I was really against it at first because I just didn't know how things were going to turn out. So I'm glad to see um, from Adam Silver and Kathy Engelbert and how they've handled uh, the procedures to make sure that everyone is safe. Um, there's a barbershop on campus for uh, the NBA, and I love that the WNBA has now just brought in their beauty salon. They have a beach and pools. The uh, WNBA players are allowed to bring their, you know, loved ones and kids. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. So it definitely turned out to be really good. Has anything surprised you just watching both leagues so far in terms of player production, in terms of maybe scoring mm-hmm. being up or maybe an increase mm-hmm. in injuries or a lack thereof? Has anything really surprised yeah. you? Yeah, so for the Wubble, the WNBA, um, it has surprised me with the amount of injuries that's been going on. Um, a lot of rookies have been going down, like Kennedy Carter, uh, Sabrina, of course. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of ankle injuries. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, it, it, it has made me just a, just a tad bit nervous. But um, other than that, with the injuries and, of course, uh Seattle, just being Seattle and uh, not really letting up on their competition has been really fun to watch. Um, but definitely injuries was a huge thing that's going on in the WBA. I hate to see it. Um, I know Karima, uh, Christmas Kelly, she went down. She's out for the season. It was really tragic to see that um, earlier when the season first kicked off. Um, for the NBA, you know, this year has been, for me, this season has been a kind of a balanced season from my perspective. Um, you, it, everything is up for grabs. You don't know who is going to basically come out of this um, as a champion. So it's been really exciting. Um, of course, we talked about this earlier, but Dallas, uh, Luka Doncic, really, really killing it. Um, I'm, I did not expect Dallas to make it past maybe game four. So uh, it's pretty cool to see that and, you know, watch some good basketball. Nia, I'm curious, um, Justin and I have kind of had different thoughts on this back and forth. How do you feel watching the games? How do you feel they're doing with production with not having Mm -hmm. fans in the audience, especially if if you don't Mm -hmm. count the virtual board? Uh, Do you feel like when you're watching games, do you miss the fans a lot? How do you feel overall about not having many fans in in these games in the arena? Yeah, no, I actually really, really miss the fans. I mean, it's um, I think it's a cool setup for the NBA, how they, you know, have the uh, sound effects and all that good stuff, and they have the fans virtually there, but it's just not the same. Um, so I think that now, since we're all on the other side of the, the metric, now we can see what is life like without the fans in the arena. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, I hope this is the first and last season that this happens. Um, sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm watching a summer league game, you know? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really weird, but you know, the NBA is doing as best as they can to kind of still keep that fan experience going, but it has been quite weird and I don't like it. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask also, we've had, other journalists talk about the rise of the mm-hmm. WNBA in terms of ratings. Yeah. Do you see yeah. them carrying that momentum towards the next season? Like you said, we're not going to be in this pandemic forever. Things are going to get back to normal. Right. Do you see right. the league capitalizing on its momentum towards future seasons? For sure, I do. Because um, thank God for the power of social media. There's been so many people speaking out, activating, I mean, uh, advocating for the WNBA. 
Um, they have a strong WNBPA. Um, of course, uh, Neko Gumake is the president, and she's been doing really well in her role and speaking for the players and stuff like that. Um, but I would love to see this energy carry over into the next season and, and, and more seasons. Um, honestly, I feel like the WNBA is now making their way and um, making their standpoint of, hey, we are here, we want to be respected, we are professional basketball players, and we deserve more television time, and we deserve um, more love, more support. So I'm really hoping to see a lot of changes even after this season concludes, um, but there is still a lot, a lot of work to be done um, from both inside, uh, from the front office, to the players, to the coaching staff, to the owners, to uh, the fans and how are they going to be able to pull fans in um, from not having fans this season, of course, physically there. So there's still a lot of work to be done, but I love to see the progress and the growth within the league. Um, but definitely hoping that this energy carries over and it's not just a one-time thing that people support the WNBA. Um, to that point, I want to ask you also from a production standpoint, Matt and I, he, Matt knows that I've been fairly upset over the production values of the WNBA in terms mm-hmm. of how ESPN has presented them, presented them as a yeah. league. It's been better, yeah. I believe, in terms of presenting more profile pieces during halftime. The studio production I've, I've seen get it better. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, from an ESPN standpoint, why haven't you think they've invested into the league since they're on there? They have a vested interest. Clearly, they want the league to do well because their program is on their network. But it seems in years past that they've always treated the WABA very dis- disrespectfully. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily a a sexist only thing because we've seen, for instance, uh, more coverage for women's tennis, uh, more attention to like a Ronda Rousey, for instance, in the UFC. They, they're willing to focus on women's athletes, but for the WNBA, it seems to be almost a cavalier attitude, a willingness to ignore the league and focusing on it as a priority. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's really good. You know, even though these games are being put on ESPN, there's the WNBA is still kind of getting a little like of the back end of it. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I know it was one game about a week or two ago. I can't remember who was playing, but they were supposed to be on either, I think ESPN two at the time. And somehow they ended up on ESPN news. Actually. Yes. I think it was a soccer game. It had got delayed and they moved into ESPN news. And so they don't really necessarily communicate these things like, Hey, WBA is being moved to ESPN news. You know, nobody knows to watch ESPN news. Um, so there is, still a lot. I, I just still don't think that respect is still there. Um, I'm loving to see that NBA TV is, uh, they have a WNBA weekly show. Renee Montgomery is hosting, Christian Letlow is hosting, and um, to see that at least is really good. Um, like I said, ESPN still has a very, very long way to go. Um, I appreciate them for broadcasting these games, but I still think that a lot can be done. And um, that respect boundary still needs to be there. And I wanted to ask you too, um, in terms of the NBA, the, um, the kind of the male counterparts, mm-hmm. who do you think is adjusting to the bubble the best? Uh, Matt and I were debating like LeBron was kind of <laughs> having some excuses, like <laughs> not used to not having fans there. And I was explaining why he got mm-hmm. off to a slow start, but he's, he's a veteran mm-hmm. though. So it was just surprising yeah. to hear him say that compared to younger players. They, their numbers are up. Uh, offense is up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen, I think yeah. a higher level of plays. So I guess, 
my question is, are there any other players, WNBA or NBA aside, as you've seen, having difficulty in the bubble that you wouldn't think would have trouble? Yeah, so for WNBA, uh, definitely Diana Taurasi. She's having a pretty slow season. She's having a good season, but not just a Diana Taurasi like your typical DT. And she is getting up in age. I know that she's uh, been dealing with this back injury for a while now. So uh, if I could say, she would be one that really isn't adjusting the way I thought she would. Um, and then maybe someone who is adjusting really well, who I didn't expect to, was probably Dewana Bonner. She's killing it this season. Um, going on over to the NBA, I don't know what the heck is going on with Paul George, but I think he <laughs> <Yeah>. might need to, <laughs> I think he needs to figure some things out. Um, he just has not been looking good at all. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. And then, my player that I love, love to see, uh, who's really, really killing it, and, you know, whether they make it past the Lakers or not, uh, Dame Lillard, I love just to see. Uh, he he really has that Mamba mentality. Um, rest in peace to Kobe. Happy birthday. But um, that is one player who I believe that is really taking that Mamba mentality and really just killing it, whether, if, you know, they make it past the first round, like I said, or not. Uh, he's really leaving it all out on the floor. And I know that he doesn't want to go home. So, yeah. So looking at the the first round in the NBA playoffs that we're about halfway through with now, yeah. I mean, who, along with Damian Lillard, who, I, I mean, I think just about everyone would agree with you. He's been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Who are who are some other players that, that you're really looking at and series that you're really looking forward to in, in this first round as we wrap up? Yeah, so uh, we got Luca. Um, I'm loving KP. I know he was out today uh, due to the knee injury, but uh, KP has been killing it. Um, gosh, uh, believe it or not, crazy as it sounds, Seth Curry. I know that a lot of people, we know that Seth Curry can hoop, but I have mm-hmm. specifically paid attention to Seth because uh, I'm just, he has been kind of the motor for this team. And a lot of people don't realize it. Um, he is, you know, getting those extra shots off. He's scoring when everyone else is in a drought or whatever it is. Um, who else? Gosh, let me think. Um, no one from the Lakers. Clippers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi, of course. Kawhi is being Kawhi, um, really taking over. Uh, gosh, there's so many people. Um even though Brooklyn make it, you know, swept after tonight, um, I love to see Karis LeVert. He killed it in the bubble, uh, had a really pretty solid uh, run, and then um, they're gone now. But Devin Booker, my goodness, I absolutely enjoyed every single game that Phoenix played. So, yeah, you got a couple players in the bubble who are really killing it that I don't think a lot of people expect to get a lot of buzz from versus the players, you know, who we know, like LeBron or, you know, AD are going to come and drop 45 points a night, you know, and it's just not happening. So it's a change. It's a huge change. Absolutely. Uh, staying in the first round, we we just had a series in today, Boston taking out the 76ers and Right. Of course, there's there's been a lot of controversy with the Sixers in how that team is built, how that team mm-hmm. is managed. Maybe uh, if you could put on your GM hat, this is something Justin and I were talking about today. I'd, I'd love your thoughts on what you do if if you're the GM of the 76ers at this point. 
Mm. So somebody's going to have to go um, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> someone's definitely going to have to go. Um, a lot of, I really believe that it's between Ben and it's definitely between um, Joel and Bede. Um Somebody's not going to stay because I, from, from what it looks like to me is that neither one of them are happy. Um, I don't think that the system that they ran, I, I just think when they came into the bubble, they did not come in with the right mindset, of course, with losing Ben um, as soon as they got in. But uh, definitely, if I had to, it would probably be Ben. Mm-hmm. And mm, I just, I'm not liking the system. Whatever system they had running um, coming into the bubble, it, it just, it didn't work. It it completely com- collapsed and I don't think I think at one point the entire team gave up like they didn't care that's what it seems like yeah, um it sounds so like a maybe, lot has I, I'm sorry yeah it sounds like maybe no, new no, no, coaching and new um and, yes. and maybe focus the team around Joel Embiid yes yes new everything um because whatever it is I don't know if is somebody beefing or what, but it's definitely showing. Um, and chemistry is one thing you cannot fake. So, yeah. What are your impressions of Ben Simmons overall? Because Matt and I were debating this. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan of his ever since LSU. Mm-hmm. I mean, people mm-hmm. were comparing him to LeBron and I just right. did not see that. Right. Are you are you on his bandwagon? What's what's your opinion on Ben Simmons as a, like a star in this league, or even as a you know a number two or number three? Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. I have to agree with you on that. Um, I've never really been a huge you know Ben Simmons fanatic. Um, you know, of course, when he was at LSU, he he did some good things, but I mean, we all know Ben Simmons does not have a shot. His game is not versatile at all, and um, I, I just. I don't know. He clogs up the paint. Um, He's injury prone. Uh, And, you know, not taking away, he's very talented, but I just think that he needs to brush up on his – it's like he's not working towards what he needs to work on, if that makes sense. Because we've been talking about for years now, Ben Simmons doesn't have a shot. Why is it that we're still here in 2020 and you still cannot develop that shot? Um, So – I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I just, I don't know if Ben really fits. I don't know if the Sixers and Ben are going to work out. I just, it doesn't, nothing is coming together. It seems like it's no development, no growth within him at all. Yeah, I, I think that's a great take too. And I, I like what you said there because, mm-hmm. you know, from the Sixers organization, of, of course, no team's going to talk down their players unless they're about to, yeah. You know, unless the trade deal is signed or whatever. But, um, you know, from the Sixers organization, you hear a lot of people saying he has a great work ethic. But I like that you pointed out maybe he's just not working on the right things or working the right way. Um, but I, I think it's it's a messy situation with all those those contracts there and, and how they're mm-hmm. locked in place. But, but, yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, Joel or, or Ben Simmons uh, have to go for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Nia, for joining us. Um, please plug um, your podcast, any other projects you're working on. I know you're you're very busy uh, doing multiple things. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, In the Clutch podcast with me and Malik, um, we drop an episode every Thursday. We talk sports and culture. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at In the Clutch Pod. Uh, you can follow me on my Twitter and Instagram at Nia on Air. I do it all. I am a digital digital content assistant, of course, for overtime. So doing some digital content for them. I am a freelance editor at NBA TV and CNN Sports, and I also just launched my small business, uh, Nia on Air Sports Media. Um, doing a lot of photography and videography, sports video. I'm sorry, let me be specific. Sports photography and sports videography. Um, but yeah, that's that's me. That's my platform. You can follow me at Nia on Air on Twitter and Instagram. And yep. <laughs> thanks, Nia, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for having me, guys.